0: What's up everyone and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, March 29th to be exact. And on today's episode, we're going to touch on the quarterbacks that have been impacted the most by offseason moves. We're also going to talk about the teams that maybe suddenly have become contenders once they got a new quarterback this offseason. And we're going to continue shedding light on the pro days that have taken place since we last recorded last Tuesday. But I'm your host, Rachel Prevett, and I am joined by my host, the one and only Mark Schofield. You guys know him and love him, but before we get started, don't forget to rate, leave her in review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on Instagram. Mark, you're over here shivering. What's going on? Are you
1: sure it's March 29th? It, that's what the calendar says. It feels like January twenty nine. It does. It, it, I, we were talking before we hit the record button. Like I was at the bus stop with the kids this morning, and they're like all bundled, and they got the hats on, and the earmuffs, and the scarves, and you're freezing outside. I was coaching baseball, and like the kids don't want to hit because you know the bat vibrates. It's not fun. I, this no. is this is not good. But despite it being frigid out, I am in a, a, a joyous mood today because. The Top Gun Maverick trailer, the second one just dropped.
0: I saw you quote tweet that.
1: I am overjoyed. There's a reference to Iceman in a new capacity, which is just tremendous. Um, So, of course, I have to draw off a movie quote. I feel the need, the need for speed. And I do think we're going to talk a little bit about speed as, as we get through this show here. But I am extremely excited. May 27th, Top Gun Maverick. Tom Cruise looks great, I will also say. I mean, yeah. he, he looks really good. Um, Good to see for him. John Hams in it, which is just a nice little, nice little role for him. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely excited. I'm a very excited mood right now. We get Top Gun Maverick. I'm, I'm overjoyed by that. But I am, as you said, freezing right now. I can't feel my toes just from going outside to take out the trash. So there is that to deal with.
0: You need like a heated blanket.
1: I know. I want to get one of those. Do you have like one of those weighted blankets? I don't. I've always like toyed with them, but then. I'm just so afraid that, like my eyes will pop open in the morning and I'll be like, I'm not getting out from under this. like I can't you yeah know? there's that fear in the back of my mind that I will just be you know in bed all day, which you know, as can't do that anymore, you know, so no, but we got things to do Yeah, I got things to do. we get we got shows to do. so I'm gonna try to thaw myself up while I listen to uh to to your movie quarter or your your song like.
0: First, I love the fact that right before we got on the episode, I saw you quote tweet that Top Gun yeah. is doing their part two, their second movie or whatever, and I was gonna bring that up. So I'm happy that you brought that up. And if we, if our listeners have been riding with us since you know the season, they'll remember that that was one of your homework assignments that you yeah. gave me. Remember, I hadn't before we started recording QB Factory, I had never seen Top Gun. So now I'm excited because I'll be able to watch the second one and know what happened. You know.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of callbacks to the first one. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good for everybody.
0: So I am excited for that. I chose song lyrics and then I'm just gonna go right in and jump into what we're talking about because the song lyrics relate to my first point. Um I chose lyrics from Can't Tell Me Nothing by Kanye West, and it says he says, to whom much is given, much is tested. I'm sure everybody else has heard also the one that goes to whom much is given, much is required. I am applying this to Tua, Tungvaloa in the Miami Dolphins. If you guys have been keeping up with what's going on, they have made a ton of off-season moves. And a lot of them definitely going to impact Tua, I think in a positive way, but I also feel like because they are, you know, doing what they have to do in order to surround him with these weapons, it's going to require him to step up. It's a little bit of pressure for him. So it's like, <clears throat> They're giving you all of this, and now how are you going to respond with it? You know, like just going over some of their offensive additions. Of course, Tyreek Hill, which one, which was one of the biggest ones, wide receiver coming from the Chiefs. So that's going to be crazy. Uh, partnering him up with Jalen Waddle, but they also uh, brought on Teron Armstead. They brought on Trent Sherfield, um, Raheem Mustard, Chase Edmonds. The list goes on and on and on. So so many talented players. Now with the Miami Dolphins, so all of a sudden they just got loaded, and now I'm like this is, I guess, can be a team to be worried about and a little bit scared for. Yeah,
1: I think you're right. Like I scratched together by like five quarterbacks that were helped the most uh, by offseason okay. moves, and two is the guy that could help the most. Right, you you look at obviously Tyreek Hill. There's been a lot of discussion already about using him in sort of the Debo Samuel role. You know, obviously, their new head coach Mike McDaniel was Debo's offensive coordinator last year. Like, he has a good idea of how to get a player with with Tyreek and or Debo's skill set involved. And you know, I looked at in you know, a piece I did for USA Today, like the ways that the the Dolph, what he brings to the table. It's certainly the explosive playmaking skills downfield. Yes, we we all know that the ability after the catch, but it's also what he does with the football in his hands. Number one. And obviously what he did on a lot of their RPO concepts, because that's the foundation of Miami's offense, or at least it was last year, right? They were one of the heavier RPO teams in the league. Now you bring in a guy in Tyreek that, you know, they did some RPO stuff with him. And you also look at, at an Armstead, at an Edmonds, like the, the pieces that they've put around to uh, have put him in a position to succeed. It's put him in a position where, as Mike, Mike McDaniel said, when he was hired and he got on the phone with you the first time on that, video that the Dolphins recorded McDaniel's job is to get the greatness out of Tua and that's what he needs to do now but you sort of teed it up there Tua has to do it because yes. after the first like hour of analysis when the trade went down it was like oh this is a great move by Miami everybody sort of t- ca- caught their breath and they were like well now Tua has to do it like then and the 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 phrase that came along next was there's no more excuses for Tua Right. There's no more excuses for Tua because if he can't succeed with what they've put in place around him and what we anticipate to be a very quarterback friendly system, he's out of excuses. And, and you know, that also leads us to the scenario where as we've seen before new head coach comes in, tries it with the quarterback, doesn't quite work. All right. I'm moving on. Like, like we're going to go like, look at Cleveland. I mean, that's a whole other scenario we didn't have to get into, but Kevin Stefanski comes in, he's given Baker Mayfield. He's like, you know what? We're going in a different direction. And they went in a different direction.
0: Yeah. I want to stay on Tua for a little bit longer because another topic that has been tied to this whole conversation is the fact that, you know, when you look, when you think about Tyreek Hill, for example, I think personally, like Tyreek Hill is rare. I think he's hard to replace. And you think about, you're going to automatically compare it to Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill's chemistry you know that they were there you know like he was that guy so the fact that you know Hill is now with the Dolphins and what what the highest paid wide receiver in the league you know that Tyreek Hill is used to getting targets consistently so he's going to want more and more so like you said that falls onto it because he's going to be required to get the ball to Tyreek Hill and if he can't do that one Tyreek Hill is going to have a problem with that because You know, it's Tyreek Hill. That's what he's used to. Um, And then I also think that he's going to be compared to some of the other younger quarterbacks in the league because he's going into his third season. So now it's like, all right, we we can't give you but so much time. So when you think about the Josh Allens, the, you know, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, this is a big year for Tua. And I think everybody's going to definitely have their eye out for the Dolphins and you know, what they're going to be able to do. Are they going to be able to make it to the playoffs this year? Yeah. So I mean, I'm mean, i excited. And
1: you mentioned that third year. I mean, that's, that's a brilliant point because that's the bill Walsh line, right? If a quarterback doesn't figure it out by the third year, like there's nothing you can do, like, you know, it's over. And yeah, for Tua now in that third year, because you mentioned Josh Allen, that's when he had the leap. It was a third year. And a lot of other fans of teams like the giants are like, Oh, can we get Daniel Jones to make that third year leap? No, like it didn't, it didn't come together. And so, you know two has got a, a huge task ahead of him like a, a massive task and you also touched on that chemistry like you watch mahomes and tyree kill and those scramble drill moments when mahomes is buying time they're on the same page like mm-hmm. there were some plays where hill's making a cut he started to cut to one side he sees that flash of Mahomes working away and it's boom on a dime working back across the field to stay parallel to him and to stay in his field of vision. It's gonna take time for Tua and Tyreek to get on that same page. Now, I'm not saying it won't happen, but what mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen until like Thanksgiving? You know, we always ah. we we seem to use those those like Halloween, Thanksgiving, and like <laughs> yep. Christmas, like timeline indicators on the show. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, if it happens by Halloween, like that could be okay. If it happens by Thanksgiving, then you're in a little bit yeah. of a problem there.
0: I can already see it now. The headlines. If it doesn't click instantly, that is going to be the talk of the town. Like everywhere, everybody's going to be talking about Tua and how he's not stepping up. So I'm just going to wish him the best. Yeah. But do you have what's your next? Uh, who is your next? Team your next team?
1: So my, my my second quarterback, that's going to help the most is Derek Carr.
0: Yes. Yeah. See, we're okay. on the same
1: page. Here we go. But, I mean, we just talked about chemistry, right? Yep. Go back and pull up some old Fresno State film when Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams were teammates, and you see that chemistry. I mean, you know, and, and we just talked about, you know, how long will it take for two and Tyreek to get on the same page. With Derek and Devontae, it's like day one. Like, it's going back to school in a sense. And, and so,
0: yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously the Raiders have a – Lot of needs at the receiver position, they filled it in a huge way. Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the game, if not top five, top three. A lot of people will say he's top two, and he's not two. Um, I'm kind of there with those people. it so you add that, you add in that chemistry. Yes, it's like Devontae Adams, it's one player, it's not the Tyreek, the Tehran, the, the Chase Edmonds, and all that stuff, but it's a really, really good reunion, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think even the fact that Look at the players that they already had, you know? Same thing with the Dolphins, too. They had, you know, Jalen Waddle, who's, you know, nice as well. And, like, we'd already talked about the running backs, but when you're looking at the Raiders as well. they Yeah, I mean. Yes, yes, tight end. They have – the Raiders have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. So you're adding on another weapon, an elite weapon, an explosive weapon.
1: Yeah, I mean, you start thinking about – that sort of 11 personnel package, right? Where you get the three receivers, the mm-hmm. one tight end Darren Waller, you've got Brian Adams at one receiver, Hunter Renfro on the slot. Now you put Devontae Adams on the outside. Like uh, imagine eight, uh, a trips formation where you've got Waller at three, Renfro at two, and Adams outside at the one. What are you gonna do as a defensive coordinator? Like, What are you gonna do? Like you're gonna drop eight know. into coverage, you're gonna shift five guys over to that side of the field. Now, Brian Edwards, and, you know, you say what you want about Brian Edwards, he's going to see a ton of one-on-one situations. And, like, it's a scenario where everybody gets better because of what you've added and what you can now do schematically. So, you know, Derek Carr is a a very sort of much maligned, polarizing type of player, right? you Mm -hmm. If, like I do, you dip your toes into Raiders Twitter, and it could be the middle of April, and they're screaming about Derek Carr being good or bad or whatever – He's yeah. also in a position now where it's like, all right, now you've got Devontae Adams. You've got your boy back. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to put up the kind of numbers we're hoping to see? And if he does, mm-hmm. that still might only be good enough to finish five, third in the AFC West because you've got Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert to deal with. Like that AFC West Like it's, it's scary. Yeah, It is a little freaking scary. I mean, we are going to see a primetime game from that division Every single week. And that's probably here for making it. sense, right? Like, it is. Are you going to put on a bunch of <laughs> NFT East games? I mean... No, they can't. No, they can't.
0: No. I mean, it's definitely something to be, you know, excited for. And another piece of the puzzle with the Raiders, for example, is their head coach situation. You know, we saw how successful they were last year, despite all of the adversity right. that they went through have under an interim head coach like their season was wild and the fact that they were able to overcome that those obstacles put in front of them and still like be pretty successful i'm a little nervous you know for them this year
1: i mean the the good thing about josh mcdaniels coming in is is twofold one i think mcdaniels has learned from the mistakes of his past like he had a very bad tenure during his time in, in with denver like you know, the, the legendary story, which is, he comes in, Jay Cutler's the quarterback. And after the first meeting where like McDaniels basically ripped the guy Cutler walks out of the meeting, calls his agent. It's like, you got to get me out of here. Like you got to get me traded. Like they end up drafting Tim Tebow, who is not a quarterback anymore. Like, there you go. Um, Then he takes the Colts job and steps back and walks away from them. Like he's had a rocky start. This is, you know, we're on third strike situation with Josh McDaniels. So he, had, he knows he has to put this together. But the other yeah. thing to remember is Josh McDaniels, say what you want about him from a head coaching standpoint, very smart offensive mind, number one. Number two, during his time in New England, showed a, a penchant for adapting his offense to what the team has in place, to the players in the building. When it was at the end of Tom Brady's time in New England, when it looked like, you know, they couldn't throw the ball effectively, they went from being the spread of you out, throw the ball all over the place team to a like, I formation high school offense at times because he's able to adapt his schemes. And he also, when they do spread you out, it's quick passing. It's getting the ball to guys in space, letting them work after the catch that fits Derek Carr. That's where he's most comfortable. That fits Renfro. That certainly fits Adams. And so you can see where like, all right, McDaniels has certainly had his struggles, but this might be an ideal situation for him. And he's learned from the mistakes of the past. That's my like elevator pitch to Raiders fans. Like, Hey, I know the AFC West is loaded, but it could work out.
0: What are some other teams that you think, you know, have been, I definitely said you have, I feel like you have to say Russell Wilson. Yeah. Like they're definitely going to be impacted positively. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think three other quarterbacks that got got some help, uh, Joe Burrow, um, well, yeah. you look, coming off a of Super Bowl appearance, but what was everybody yeah. saying that they needed to do? They needed to fix the offensive line. Every single mock draft prior to free agency had, okay, who's the best offensive lineman available at 31? Doesn't matter if they fit. Doesn't matter what. Like that's the pick at 31 for the Bengals. What did they do? Alex Kappert, guard, Ted Karras at center, and Leo Collins at offensive tackle. Like they added three guys already. And that offensive line, it was an issue for them, right? Like Joe Barrett sacked stacked, what, nine times? Against Tennessee in just one game. Crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't do that again. Um, so now you're suddenly looking at okay, you got Jonah Williams, you got Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, L. Collins. Like that's a better looking offensive line than what they had in the Super Bowl. They could still certainly add a 31 or later in the draft, but now they don't have to force a pick at 31. So I think Burrow got some help. Zach Wilson got a little bit of help. You know, they had okay. the, the tight end CJ Uzama, who I think is a perfect scheme fit. They had Lincoln mm-hmm. Tomlinson as well. And the plan out the the plan reportedly because we got the NFL owners meetings going on right now. Is he gonna kick yep. Elijah Vera Tucker to right guard? Thomas is gonna slide in a left guard. Becton, their left tackle, who they drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft. He might slide to right tackle or not. There's they're still sort of figuring that out, which I think puts perhaps tackle in play at some point in this draft, but maybe not early, because they have picks at four and ten. So so Wilson got some help. And then there's Trevor Lawrence. And I I know. But okay. Jacksonville spent the money they did and made the moves they did. A lot of people were like, "This is dumb. This is stupid. This is this is okay. insane." I'm kind of in the minority there. I kind of like what they've done. Like, like Christian Kirk, I know for like until Devontae Adams and, and until Tyreek, like there was a window where it was like, "Wait, is he one of the highest played receivers in the game?" And it's like Christian Kirk, really? Obviously, like then we found out the real deal, and you know. A good reminder, a little quick aside, Dirt Free Agency, when the contracts drop and the big names from the four letter network say, oh, so and so just signed a five year, six hundred and fifty million dollar deal. That's the copy paste from the agent. Like, is that's who's going to report it to them first. Catch your breath. Wait to see, because with Christian Kirk and some other deals, it's like initially it's like the sticker shock hits you. You're like, this is a ninety million dollar deal. But then you realize it's like really a two year deal for forty billion. And then a lot of outs and options and things like that. So that being said, they still spend a lot of money on Christian Kirk, but I think he's a fit for what they need. They need vertical explosive playmakers, and he does it out of the slot. They need vertical, a vertical element to their passing game, because I think that's what fits Trevor Lawrence best. And I think that's where Doug Peterson was trying to get the Eagles near the end of his time in Philadelphia was a vertical-based pass and offense. You look at some of the receivers they added Quez Watkins, Hightower, like they added vertical speed for Carson Wentz and never quite got there. You know, there's an overlap and skill set between Wentz and Lawrence. And I think that's what they're trying to build. So I kind of like what they did. I mean, Zay Jones maybe a little bit of a reach. People were like, you bring, you know, Cam Robinson back, he's not that good, but I don't know. And then you add Brandon Sheriff, who's a very good guard. Like, I think they've made some moves that are going to be helpful. I don't think it's as wildly bad as people are making out to be, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that, that that's fine. But sitting here right now, I think they did some good things around him.
0: I'm happy that you brought that up because I hadn't even put that on my list, but that was a good – I like their off-season moves. Yeah. Starting with Doug Peterson,
1: you yeah. know. I mean, and, and I think when you remember that the goal – when you have that young quarterback on that cost control mm-hmm. deal is to be aggressive around them, build around them and get them to where they need to be. So at the end of that cost control deal, and you have to pay them that second contract, that long-term extension, you feel comfortable doing so, you know? And, and so you try to do the things that will put them in the best position to be successful. It's very similar to how we kick this off with Tua, right? You have to get Tua to where he is or where he needs to be. If you can't, well, You're not going to pay him that long-term deal. You're going to reset the quarterback clock. I think Jacksonville is in a similar situation because, you know, you don't want to do – the Rams were able to get away from it because they swung the Stafford trade. But they paid Goff the big extension and realized he's not getting us to where we need to be. And so now Mm -hmm. you're seeing teams get even quicker with that decision. Chicago with Trubisky, for example, they're like, why pay him the second deal? Let's just move on. And I think we're going to see something similar play out you know, Cleveland obviously did it. They're not paying a second deal. Watch the Giants in the next couple of days. They're going to make a decision about Daniel Jones's fifth-year option coming up. They might decide, look, you know, we're not going to do it. We'll do what the Bears did. We'll not give them the fifth-year option. If somehow Daniel Jones puts it all together, then, yeah, you'll, you'll franchise tag them, and you'll pay the price then. But teams are going to be patient with those fifth-year options because if you don't know if he's the guy, don't pick up that option and don't give him that second contract.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. But we're going to take a really, really quick break. And when we come back, we are going to touch on the pro days that have happened since we last recorded last week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back. So we touched on the quarterbacks currently in the league and those different offseason moves. But let's continue to unload and, I guess, Run down the list of the probate, pro days that have taken place since we last talked. So we know that Kenny Pickett had already taken place when we talked last week when Carmen yeah. was our guest. And on Tuesday when we were talking, uh, Malik Willis was having his pro day. So, of course, we already know that that was, you know, the talk of the town. Oh, yeah. But I know you're very, you talk about uh, Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral a lot. So, based off of their performances, what did you see from them? What did you hear people saying about? their produce um
1: you know I, I think let's start with Matt Corral first a lot of people were there okay. in attendance for that one um because it was really the first time he's had a chance to work out he had the high ankle brand from the sugar bowl you know obviously didn't do anything to combine you know but he looked pretty good like he moved mm-hmm. well he threw well I, I think there's I, I don't want to say absolute genuine excitement about him in the first round or at least early but I think it's mm-hmm. much more likely sitting here right now that if there's a fourth quarterback in the first round, it would be Hammond and might, you know, be on the later side. You know, a lot of people have said if Detroit doesn't do it at two, maybe they do it at 32. And, you know, you you could see two different mindsets to that sort of decision. Right. Like if okay. you're going to draft a quarterback at 32, why wait? You know, why yeah. roll the dice. If you're comfortable off drafting him at 32, just draft him at two, Like, Don't leave the chance. And there's another mindset that's like, look, you know, like we were just talking about the fifth-year option. Like if you have the opportunity to draft a quarterback at the end of the first round, you'll still do it. Maybe he's only QB three on your board, but it's like, you know, you have that fifth-year option. You can take some time with him. And from Detroit's perspective, you're going to have a pick coming up in the next few selections anyway. You know, so – take safety it's a position they have to address maybe they draft Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or somebody else two they draft Matt Corral at 32 they could still draft a safety then 34 that that would be a pretty good you know pathway for them but I think Corral sort of helped himself because he put to rest at least some of the concerns because we hadn't seen him do anything for a while Desmond Ritter I, I performed well You know, everybody's had that ability now to make that pro day throw where you like roll out to your left and throw the backside post and it's a 75-yard throw and everybody loses their mind. But that brings us back to Willis. Like Willis remains the guy right now that has generated the most buzz, started with the senior bowl and all the way Mm -hmm. through the draft process right now to this point at least. And there's a brilliant website. It's called Mock Draft Database, right? And what this website does, NFL you can it tracks every mock draft. And mock drafts are inexact sciences, but they're informative in the way that you can see players trending up and down. Because okay. you know, obviously they're they they track every single mock draft. So there are people like Daniel Jeremiah's who are in there, people like Mel Kuypers, idiots like mine. But as players start to move. You can see their trends and you can even compare players. And so I wrote a piece last week for uh big blue view talking about whether the Giants should draft Malik Willis at five or at seven. And I compared Kenny Pickett's draft status in these mock drafts to Malik Willis. And you can see right out of the combine, it flips like going into the combine and even through the senior bowl, Pickett's the guy coming off the board early Willis later, but then it just sort of flips. And it was Willis' throw-in session at the Combine and everything else that happened. You could see his stock sort of take off. And I think it sort of stayed there as a result. And so, yes, Ritter performed well. Matt Corral performed well. Kenny Pickett performed well. Like even Sam Howell, you know, had, had some good throws at his pro day. Willis seems to have cemented himself now as the guy that's probably coming off the board first. And it, it gets us to back to what we've talked about on the show for a while now, which is – People are just going to look at the arm. They're going to look at the athleticism. They're going to look at the promise. They're going to look at the upside and say, if we're placing that bet in the first round, it's on him. Yeah, and
0: rightfully so. Sure. I mean, I think he looks really good. Yeah. You know, I mean,
1: you know, in this draft, like if this were last year, like let's say mm-hmm. different universe, parallel universe, and Malik Willis is in last year's class. He's probably QB4. Like he's in that sort of range. You're probably looking at Lawrence and Wilson and, in my mind, Fields ahead of him. He'd be in that Lance area for me. But in this year's class, it's a different class. And mm-hmm. there's also that sort of seismic moment. I, I think there are two sort of seismic moments in the NFL this past year that have shifted people's thinking. One was what the Rams did, right? Trade away draft picks. Forget the picks. Who cares? The draft is an inexact science. You're not, you don't know what you're getting. Trade draft picks for established players. Like, I,
0: I think- You're seeing that this off season, that's literally what you're seeing. We were talking about on Monday, Football Monday, and I think either RJ or Pete had brought it up. Like, um Les Snead- yeah. yeah. Literally is like, was like the blueprint. Yeah. And now you're seeing this off season that that's what everybody is doing, especially with the quarterbacks that are younger. Right. It's like, okay, well, we're gonna surround him with, you know, experienced yeah. players. If he can perform well with them because they you know they're know what they're doing, they're elite, they're at that level. Okay, then that shows us a little bit of something. It so is, that's I like it's like, the,
1: that it's like what we talked about with the dolphins. You get a surrounded yeah. with established talent. If it worked, great. If it doesn't, well, we'd have to draft another quarterback and maybe I get fired, but I took the swing this way. So I think the Rams <sighs> winning the Super Bowl the way they did it was one sort of seismic event. The other was that Bills Chiefs playoff game, you know. Okay. When, okay. when people saw Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes like play the way they did, they realized look you've got to get freak aliens at the quarterback. Like, yeah. like when you have the ability to get downfield and score in 13 seconds because of what your quarterback can do at that position, you need guys that can do that. And so I think teams watched that and they realized, all right, look, there are guys in this draft class like Kenny Pickett that are like, they're athletic, they can move around a little bit, but is Pickett going to do what Allen did? Is Pickett going to do what Mahomes did? Mm. Maybe not. Maybe Malik Willis won't, but he's got, the, yeah. I think, the best chance of getting there. And so teams are going to look at that and say, if we need quarterbacks that can compete with the likes of Mahomes and Herbert and, and these freak aliens throwing footballs the way they do, we're going to take that better on upside. And, and so I think you look at those two as two sort of seismic events and you see teams trading for veteran quarterbacks or trading for veteran talent around younger quarterbacks. And you might now see in the draft Malik Willis's rise be a result of we have to get guys at the position that can compete with guys like Mahomes and Allen and, and all these guys that played the position at such a high level.
0: You know what would be funny to me just because of the talk and the pretty much the theme around like this entire QB class is if we fast forward five years, three three years, we could say three years, and some of these underrated QBs like just kind of skyrocket well, off. Well, that's
1: that's the beauty of the and the curse in a way of this whole evaluation yeah. process and draft process is it is an inexact science. You you many ways yeah. don't know what you're gonna, particularly at the quarterback position where so much is dependent on scheme and talent and all that other stuff but as we try to remind people we're also talking about 22 23 24 year old kids and like yeah. i remember what i was like a 22 23 24 and i i certainly wasn't you know i didn't have my head on straight like i didn't have things figured out and for a lot of these guys like you know you've been the big fish in a, a big pond for a long time and now suddenly you're on mm-hmm. your own like yep. you're doing things like Paying car insurance for the first time, like yep. buying a house, buying a condo, like you're dealing with yeah. other like real life stuff. And for rookies, like you're doing all this pre draft stuff and pre draft prep, and you're taking your top 30 meetings and you're learning like 15 different playbooks so you can whiteboard stuff with, you know, the Eagles on one day and with the Steelers on another day. You get a wind and dine by Mike Tomlin, who's <laughs> right. Mike Tomlin is, is riding the rookie dinner circuit. He's taking all these guys out to dinner. He is. He
0: is. Good for him. That's crazy.
1: Um. Yeah. But that suddenly you're you're thrust into a new city. You've wound down this the world's the longest and strangest and you know most curious and complex job interview process in all recorded history. And now you have to learn an offense and run an offense, and you have to step into a huddle with guys that are like ten and fifteen years older than you and tell them what to do and come in. like take command. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a lot and so the drafts isn't an exact science and like so you're exactly right like we could look at this five years from now and I we're all talking about Malik Willis suddenly Kenny Pickett's the guy or Desmond Ritter's the guy or Matt Corral's the guy or Carson Strong like yep. if you would have told me this time last year that hey um there's going to be a, a large portion of the season where Davis Mills looks like the best of the rookie quarterbacks not Trevor Lawrence, not Zach Wilson, not Justin Fields. I would have said that there's absolutely no way, but these things happen. And so that also might get us back to that trading for established talent. Like, you know, mm-hmm. don't know what you're getting. And so if you're a team, like if we're here this time next year and Tua doesn't take that step, I think it's far more likely that with the extra picks they picked up along the way, the Dolphins make a swing for an established veteran quarterback rather than resetting the the quarterback clock again. And and so, you know, those two seismic events, I think though, the, the Rams win and that Bill's chiefs game are going to shape a lot of the decisions that are made, not just this offseason, but maybe the next one or two.
0: Yeah. And I was like, at least you can see what majority of these QB prospects that we know that they're not coming in and they're going to be starting immediately in most of these with most of these teams. So they'll get that year to observe and learn the good and the bad from some of the veteran quarterbacks. And they definitely have an impact on them.
1: You look at Mahomes, and Mahomes has said this before, like the, the most beneficial thing for him wasn't just the fact that he sat out that first year. He started the, the season finale. Alex Smith was mentorship. Like Smith would pick him up in the morning, bring him to the facility. They'd watch film together. He basically taught him like what it's like to be an NFL quarterback. because. You know, a lot of other positions like offensive line, like they're more like I've said this before, like snap to whistle. It's like what you do. But for quarterback, it starts Monday morning when you walk into the facility, whether it's at 545 a.m. or 345 a.m., like how you get yourself ready during the week then pays off. And it does, obviously, for the other positions, but for quarterback, doubly so. And so Smith's mentorship and guiding Mahomes through that rookie season then paid off in a huge way that second year. and so. Hypothetically, if Pittsburgh drafts Malik Willis, when you right. see Willis helicopter airplane and away from his pro day throw and yeah. Mike Tomlin looking on like a proud papa, like right. <laughs> does Mitchell Drabinski do that for Malik Willis? Does Dwayne Haskins do that? Does Mason Rudolph do that? Or do they look at it like we're fighting to keep our job? Like, not every veteran quarterback is like, Yeah, I'm gonna teach this guy, I would take right. the so Dude, I don't know if he did that with Jalen really Hurts. Yeah. You know, I mean, other guys do it a different way. So I, I think that's also something these teams are going to have to sort of keep in mind. Like, if Seattle drafts Malik Willis, is Gino Smith going to be happy to be that mentor? Or maybe he will. Will Drew Locke probably not? Like, he's trying to think he could win that job. If Atlanta drafts a, a quarterback, does Marcus Mariota do that? Like. And so there's that aspect to it too. So, you know, it, it's a great point about that year because there's so much teaching that can go on in there, whether it's a year or half a season, that can really pay off for these guys down the road. Exactly. We're just going to have to wait and see. Well, we don't do patience well in sports media ratio. We, really <laughs> we don't, we don't, but
0: that's all we can do, yeah. literally. But the draft is getting closer and closer, getting closer. So I'm like, well, time is ticking. Yeah. You know, time is really going. Yeah,
1: I mean, we're just about a month out now. Like, yeah, yep. we are inside a month because the draft is the twenty eighth. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, buckle up, everybody. A fun buckle up. Then we get to sleep for May and June. We do, we do. vacation time. Hopefully, we'll be warm by that. As I yeah. still try to warm up yeah. my hands, <laughs> my toes are still frozen.
0: And that is like sad. That's I, I so think sad. that's
1: more a me problem than anything else. You need some fuzzy socks. I do. I have them, <laughs> but just I put them away. No, it's too soon. I do the I that socks all and the year. fuzzy socks. They all got like packed away. It was like I was putting the shorts uh, out. Like, no, no, no,
0: I have, I don't do it until like mid April.
1: Yeah, see,
0: I get cold very quickly. Rookie cold,
1: mistake by me.
0: Yeah, you gotta learn, you know. <laughs> but that's gonna be all for this week's episode of the QB. Factory reboot. Don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Do you have any last words, Mark?
1: As always, go Eagles.